Welcome to Sports Rivals with Monty and Ernie. Lively, entertaining banter on sports topics you want to hear. All right, everyone, wherever you are and however you may be listening, welcome to the February edition of the Sports Rival. Ernie, this is the beginning of Super Bowl week, and when one of our teams are playing, Mm -hmm. it just makes that that much more special. My Los Angeles Rams looking for their first championship as Los Angeles. I mean, if if you guys remember, the Rams do have one championship 20 years ago, but that was in St. Louis. The Rams are now 0 for 2 in Los Angeles, seeking their first victory, trying to keep up with the Lakers and the Dodgers. So I'm excited. You know, it took me a full week to recover from the San Francisco game. Now I think it's a matter of looking forward. Uh, So Ernie, let's just, generally speaking, let's Mm -hmm. take a look at this. I mean, I'm going to try to be as objective as possible, um, but that's probably going to be very difficult. So I'll rely on you for the objectivity, and then I'll do the subjectivity. But let's start with what you believe are the most important matchups. The most important matchup is, 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 is actually the Rams' defensive line and actually edge rushers and whatnot. Whomever you send as far as pressuring Burrow and how Burrow does it. I mean, I've really liked... The last, the last two games, Burrow was under a lot of duress. I mean, nine sacks at Tennessee. He wins the game. Uh, not as much uh, sacks against Kansas City, but Kansas City still brought, you know, still brought on the pressure. They win the game. Uh, if Los Angeles can bring pressure without, uh, let's say, uh, compromising their defensive uh, package, per se, uh, that's going to be the biggest matchup for me. I, I would agree. Okay, so let's uh, analyze that, that part of it, the, San- the Cincinnati offense versus the Ram defense. I think you're absolutely right. I mean, if you take a look at the, at the two games that the Bengals have played, the Titan game, and we alluded to this a little bit last week, the Titans dominated the defensive line, but it was from all of them. They got inside pressure with Simmons. Right. They got outside pressure with Landry and Dupree, uh, and he was hammered the whole game. The reality is, as, as much as Burrow is a wonderful player, and he is, and he has just balls of steel, for the lack of a better word, um, the Bengal defense, to me, won that game. Mm-hmm. I mean, three interceptions. It was only, you know, 16 to 9 for most of the game. So they, I think the Bengals only had one touchdown. And it was field goals and it was defense that kind of won that game. The difference with the Chief game is, we alluded to this again last week, Chris Jones was dominant. But there was really no one else. They had one series where Melvin Ingram did really, really well. But other than that, Jones would put pressure. But as soon as he alluded Jones... He got into space and he was able to find Chase or Higgins or even run a couple of times for first downs. So what you're saying, I 100% agree. If the Rams can keep him one contained and do to him similar to what the Titans did to him, I believe that the Rams are going to be very, very hard to beat in this game. The Rams don't play man-to-man. So there's a lot of talk about will Jalen Ramsey match up with Jamar Chase. That's probably not going to happen. I mean, plus the Bengals have three wide receivers. Right. So even if you lock down Chase, Higgins could go off, Boyd could go off. 
Uh, Mixon could go off, you know. So I think the Rams are going to stay in their base defense, which is more of a zone defense. And one of the Bengals' weaknesses is when you have teams that play high safeties, they struggle with that mm -hmm. because Burrow loves to take shots, shots down the field. Right. Uh, he likes to throw it down there. I think the Rams are going to keep everything in front and make Burrow long drive after long drive after long drive is what I'm thinking is going to happen. And the Rams are going to bank on, they'll get a sack to make them punt or they'll flip the field, make a turnover, strip sack of some sort. Um, but I agree. If the Bengals find a way to neutralize the Rams' pass rush, then this is going to be a shootout and the Rams could be in trouble. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's, it's going to be, to me, it's going to be that way. And, and in particular, it's going to have to come up from up the middle. Uh, if, if you come from the edges, all they're going to do is adjust. They're going to throw, you know, uh, short, sh uh, short passes to the flats. You know, count that as a run game. I mean, you're talking about 80, 90% completion ratio from that standpoint. It's basically a run and, you, you know, you, you go towards where the aggressive side is coming and, you know, take your chances from there. But if it comes from up the middle, that's where, you know, you know all that, that's where the game stops, okay? You're gonna, he's gonna have to turn into uh, a Lamar Jackson or that type, of, that type of runner, you know? And he, he's, he's done it for two games. I just don't believe that that's his style of game. And I believe that the Rams defense is good enough and they've, they've got two weeks to look at all the tape. Mm -hmm. I mean, they'll make those adjustments. It's, it's gonna come out to that. Second thing I believe is that, is that line. I mean, are they gonna, how, uh, how they approach the RPO, I believe is gonna be uh, really interesting in, the, in, the, in this matchup. Uh, I'm talking about Cincinnati. Uh, that's going to be very monumental in my opinion because if they cannot get a run game going against the Rams, it's it's going to get ugly. I believe it really is going to get ugly. I don't, uh, uh, you know, that's when the defense can just block against one side. And let's just say this: the Cincinnati's defense is good. They are not going to stop the Rams from scoring twenty plus. Okay. In, to me, in this game, the Rams are going to score 20-plus, win or lose. Can Cincinnati score 20-plus in the game? I think both teams are going to score more than 20 points. But, but again, I think you're right. I think it's going to be really key to see how the Bengals game plan for Aaron Donald. Let's be honest. He's the most dominant player in this game, regardless of position. Mm -hmm. Are they going to commit two to three people to him? If they are going to commit two to three people to him, then can Ashawn Robinson and can Greg Gaines get pressure from that middle? Or are we going to rely solely on Von Miller getting from the outside? What I love that Von Miller does a great job at is containing the, the quarterback oh, within yeah. the pocket. Yeah. You know, he does a great job of when they get flushed out to hold him there. Um, and that's going to be important because if we're going to get pressure up the middle and he's going to elude and go outside, I think Von Miller is going to do a good job of containing him and keeping him there. But it's, it's going to come down to that. If the Rams can dominate the defensive line, it's going to be hard for Cincinnati to score enough to keep up with the Rams, in my opinion. Um, but if they can find a way uh, to, to hold off Aaron Donald and make the Rams play defense and sustain some drives and have Mixon run the ball a little bit, um, who knows? I mean, it, it, could be, it could be, and it probably will be, a really, really close game. I think offensively, I think it's going to come down to... Um, Joe Burrow, and it's going to come down to Jamar Chase. Um, 
Are we going to be able to contain him? Are we going to be able to keep him in front? And he can have 10, 12 catches, but if it's 12 catches for 100 yards, that's okay Mm -hmm. versus six catches for 244 and three touchdowns. So I think the Rams will keep everything in front. They'll force the Bengals to go ahead and make first downs, make touchdowns. And I think the Rams are hoping that they're going to get a couple of turnovers. Now, on the other side of the ball, I think it comes down to one thing. Can the Rams not turn the ball over? Yeah. I mean, the Bengals defense may not be, you know, historically known like the Steelers or the Ravens or even the Browns, to that matter, in the AFC North. But their defense is improved and their defense has played well in these playoffs. Mm -hmm. I mean, they, they went to Tennessee Henry came back. They made Tannehill look absolutely horrendous. Uh, the defense, to me, won that game. And then the defense basically pitched the shutout last week in the second half. Mm-hmm. The Chiefs came out 21-3, to but in the second half, they played really well, forced Mahomes into two interceptions, both of them catastrophic interceptions. They were able to get turnovers, and Burrow's not turning the ball over that much. So can the Rams hold on to the ball? If the Rams turn the ball over four times like they did against Tampa Bay, it's going to be trouble. If they turn the ball over zero or one time like they did against San Francisco uh, or or Arizona, I really like the Rams' chances because I think their offense is playing well. Whitworth is now going to be a month from his injury. He should be pretty healthy. Nopu may come back. I mean, I think Akers will be healthy. Michelle will be healthy. Daryl Henderson may come back. They may have three running backs now. I think offensively, I think OBJ is really clicking now. I think he's playing well. Uh, and there's no one has been able to stop Cooper Cup yet. Yeah. You know, So even if I don't expect Tyler Higby to come back, I mean, I think his MCL injury is probably more severe than, than the tight end for the Bengals. The, Uzama. The, yeah, Uzama seems to be more likely to give it a goal than Higby is at this point in time. But I think with two weeks to prepare, if we're not going to have Higby, I think McVay knows that now. Mm-hmm. We'll have a game plan in place to to use Blanton or use three wides or to do something to figure out. Um, I think the Bengals are going to have to score more than 30 points to win. Yeah. I think the Rams will get to 28 to 30 points. Yeah. Uh, so the Bengals are going to have to get to 31. And I just, I kind of believe that that's a tall task. Um, but again, the strength of the Cincinnati defense, there are a couple of strengths. I mean, uh, Trey Hendrickson is a Pro Bowl caliber person on the outside. Uh, and uh, Hubbard has been playing really well on the other outside. You know, so in the middle of the field is where they're not quite as strong, which suits the Rams because the Rams are stronger on the outsides and weaker on the inside. So their pass rush is going to be coming from the outside. That's where we're strongest. That should theoretically give Stafford some time to throw the ball. And if he has time, I think he's going to be able to find Cooper Cup and OBJ. Yeah, uh, I'll agree with you that in, in, but not in totality, the, the, the Cincinnati Bengals have, in my opinion, one of the top nickel, uh, nickelbacks in the NFL, former Steelers, uh, Mike Hilton. That is one guy I can guarantee right now, the Steelers regret letting go. He, uh, he has been... Uh, a lightning rod as far as splash, splash plays for uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. The danger in all of this is if the Los Angeles Rams get into uh, like a third and five. Uh, that's where Hilton is almost like, he's not Polamalu, but he's Polamalu-esque. The guy has incredible instincts. 
He can blitz the quarterback at that time. He can draw back, take the receiver out of the cut. He's he in, in let's just say this in his last five games. I I, I swear I've I, I've seen him make big play after big play after big play in each of those games that 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 I've seen him play. That's gonna be a player that the Los Angeles Rams and I'm pretty sure again they've got two weeks to prepare for this. They know his name. Uh, Mike Hilton is is gonna be dangerous in, in, in that part. Now I I I believe what you're saying is is true that Cincinnati will probably have to get into the high twenties, even thirties, uh, in order to win this game. Uh, from Los Angeles' standpoint, from the Rams' standpoint, uh, uh, let me ask you this: Do you think Cooper Cup has a better game, statistically wise, than OBJ? Probably. I mean, I think he's done that continually the, the whole year. I mean, I think the last game was the closest OBJ came with right. the nine catches for 113 yards. I think it's really going to depend on what the Bengals are trying to do. Mm -hmm. Are the Bengals going to try and take away Cooper Cup? If they do, then I think OBJ is going to have That's a monster I, game. That's what I think. Um, it's just a matter of are they going to do that? And I think recently a lot of people have tried to do that without a whole lot of success. We saw what Cooper Cup did against Tampa Bay. We saw what he did against San Francisco last week. And we know San Francisco is trying to take him out, which is why OBJ had such a big game. Um, but I, I mean, it really depends. If they're gonna double him constantly like the Cardinals did in the first week, then I think somebody else is gonna have to make the big play. But what makes me feel good is OBJ is ready for that moment. Yeah, yeah, He's yeah. been playing well. He's getting better and better and better and more comfortable. You see the old OBJ where he's snatching balls. You know, that hands was always what he was known for until Cleveland. Then he was dropping stuff. But now he's snatching almost everything that's thrown his way. I think he's ready. So the Bengals are going to have to make that decision. Do we play Cup and, and OBJ straight up? Um, if they do, then either of them could do well. The Rams will miss Higby, though, you know, as a threat if he's not there, you know. So do they go three wide, four wide? Um, but they have Akers, and Akers is great out of, out of the backfield as a receiver. So, I mean, they could attack that way. Um, but I think it's hard to go against Cooper Cup after the year that yeah, he's that, had. He's, he's as to, he year. finds ways to make critical uh critical catches at critical times. So hopefully it's not going to be as stressful as the as the 49er game. <laughs> I do feel a little bit better. I got to be honest. I'm always going to be nervous. That's the coach in us. You know, you're never confident or right. overconfident because anything can happen on any given day. Um, but I feel better going into this Bengal game than I did going into the San Francisco game. You know, when you lose to somebody six times in a row, yeah, um, that's, that's going to haunt you. you uh, so hopefully we got that off, off the you know, off our backs. And I think what was really, really encouraging is from right after that game, as happy as they were to get to the Super Bowl and finally beat San Francisco, immediately after the game, it was, we're not done yet. There's one more game, there's one more game, there's one more game. So we're not happy to be there, which is oftentimes can be detrimental. Mm -hmm. If you think the battle is won, just getting there, um, then that could be a problem. So I feel pretty good about about the uh, about the Rams situation. I think offensively, I think they match up with the Cincinnati Bengals. It's just a matter of can the Bengals turn them over like they did the Titans, like they did Patrick Mahomes. Mm -hmm. If they can turn the Ram the Rams over, then of course it can be anyone's, anyone's game. game. Right. I mean, it can be anyone's game. If the Rams play clean football, I think the Rams have the advantage here. So right. when it comes to a score. Um, 
What do you think this final score is going to be? Uh, well, here's like we spoke a little bit off the air, right? I I I told you that I, I believe the Rams come out real strong in this game. Uh, I think their their offense and defense come out, uh, you know, showing that I'm the big brother in this. You know, you have this is a team that in the Cincinnati Bengals who hasn't shown up to the big dance in the in over in 31 years, a playoff game in in 31 years, let alone a Super Bowl. I believe they come out big, but I really like how Joe Burrow has been playing. I mean, the guy, the guy just comes back, comes back, come from from all obstacles, whether it be from you know again the the, the nine sacks against uh, uh, the Tennessee Titans, you know the overwhelming odds against you know everybody's favorite to to get to the Super Bowl in the Kansas City Chiefs, and he just comes up big time. I believe he has a big second half. Falls just short, and I'm talking about just short. I like the Rams to win in this game, 28-27. Okay, so you expect them to cover the spread. So the line came out at three, three and a half. It went up to four and a half. Now it's back down to four. That guy that that crazy furniture store owner in Texas that places big bets put four and a half million dollars <laughs> on the Bengals on the money line. Oh so not God. with the spread, but just straight on the money line. He put four and a half million on Cincinnati to win uh, and I think that brought the line back down a little bit so you're looking at a four-point spread and I think that's probably dead on um, I, I, I think the Rams are going to prevail and I think the Rams are going to prevail and cover the spread I like them by a score of 31 to 24 um, I think I think they win by seven I do think that they they can get out I do think they give up a late touchdown um, to to Joe Burrow but I think the Rams' defense will be put on the field again to close the deal, and, and they will find a way. Uh, Aaron Donald with either a strip sack or, or some reason to cause another turnover mm-hmm. towards the end of the game to close it out. Uh, I like the Rams to win 31-24, to and I like the MVP of the game to be Cooper Cup. I oh. think he finds a way to score a couple of touchdowns um, and be the MVP. I'll, I'll I'll go his counterpart. I like OBJ as the MVP in that game. Here's why I think OBJ is gonna. The man is full of himself. I do not like OBJ. I didn't like him with the Giants. I totally didn't like him when he was with with Cleveland. But that guy is you, you, that guy is all about himself. And what better time to showcase yourself than the Super Bowl? This guy is on a one-year contract. He wants to get paid. He wants to be relevant again. He doesn't want to think that his waste his time in Cleveland was a fate, uh, was uh, you know the norm. This is a man who's gonna go, who's gonna want to go out there in the biggest game, uh, uh, the biggest game in the biggest stage uh, possible. And he's gonna perform. I just I, I knew this guy was talented. I've seen the sparks when he played in Cleveland. You knew he didn't lose anything. Uh, it was Baker Mayfield. I hate to say it. I mean, it showed this year. You know, when OBJ switched from Cleveland to the Rams, that that it's Baker Mayfield. OBJ is OBJ. He's not OBJ who has lost a step. He is OBJ. I like him as the MVP in this game. Well, I hope so. I mean, if either Cup or uh, OBJ win, then <laughs> Rams won. <laughs> and I don't care who is the MVP as long as the Rams, at the end of the day at SoFi, finally have 
the first Los Angeles Ram Championship <laughs> in my 52 years yeah. of life. Yeah. Um, that would be that would be oh that would be the ultimate. You know that would be the absolute ultimate. So, <laughs> folks, if it doesn't happen. We might have to cancel next week's show. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be really <laughs> problematic. But we want to hear what you guys think. You know, you know, go on social media, Sports Rivals Podcast on IG and Facebook, Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter. Tell us what you think. You know, do you agree with our, our, the matchups that we believe are the best? Now, I know you Bengal fans are going to think the Bengals are going to be able to handle and they're going to win. And I know you diehard Ram fans are going to think that the Rams could blow them out. But I really want to know, you know, like I want you to think about this and, and tell us which matchups are the key. Why are the Bengals going to beat the Rams? Right. Why do you think the Rams are going to blow out the Bengals? Tell us what matchups. I think that's going to be a, the most fun part about this week. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be exciting. And again, that's Sports Rivals Podcast on IG and Facebook, Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter. And hopefully one week from now at this very moment, we will be drunk on peanut butter whiskey <laughs> celebrating the Los Angeles Rams title. I'm going to be completely biased when I call for that. There's a lot of time for Joe Burrow to win the championship. He's only in year two. He can dominate the Steelers for the next 10, 12 years. But this year, AD's got to get one. Aaron Donald has got to get yeah, his first championship. He really deserves, he deserves one. It. And I think he's uh, he's definitely motivated to do that. So, all right, Ernie. Now, the Super Bowl, of course, is going to be the dominant news story of this week. Mm -hmm. But definitely the dominant news story of this past week was the just blockbuster lawsuit filed by ex-Miami Dolphins coach Brian Flores against the Dolphins, the, um, the Broncos, the Giants, and the NFL, NFL. in general. Yeah. Um, you know, accusing all parties involved of unfair labor practices with racial bias. Mm -hmm. So I want to unpack this because there's so much to be unpacked. Yeah. Um, I think both of us can agree that there certainly is uh, an issue right now with the number of minority hires. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just really not happening. I mean, it's happening at the GM level. Two of the four positions were, were uh, filled by African-Americans this cycle. Mm -hmm. uh, there's more and more assistant coaches. Yeah. But there were nine openings uh, for head coaches and seven now have been filled with the announcement today that Mike McDaniel, the San Francisco offensive coordinator, is going to be the new Miami Dolphin coach. And the expected announcement right after the Super Bowl that the Ram offensive coordinator, Kevin, uh, Kevin O'Donnell, is going to be the Viking coach. So there's only two positions left the Texans and the Saints and yet no African Americans have gotten any of these positions now mm -hmm. I do have to have one caveat Byron Leftwich, the Jaguars job was his he did not want to work with the general manager of the Jacksonville Jaguars so he pretty much eliminated himself from that that position mm -hmm. um, or else he would have had it it was his for the taking but even with that I think we can agree that there's probably biases the question is how do we overcome those biases? So that's one topic to unpack. The other thing, I think the most glaring thing or the most, the thing that can be proven easiest and can result in punishment is the allegation that Stephen Ross, the Miami Dolphins owner, was offering $100,000 to Brian Flores to lose games yeah. his first year. Right. Now, Ernie, tell me what you think about that accusation first. That, to me, that is the bigger story. Uh, you know, because that compromises the game. 
you know, that totally, I, I, I can see if that really comes out full-fledged, that that actually happened, no ifs, ands, or buts, that he is going to be forced to sell the Miami Dolphins. That can't happen in a game. Not in a game where this, I mean, folks, the Super Bowl is the biggest, the biggest betting game, game of the year, the entire year. And then you're going to put this type of controversy uh, uh, into that, it's it's not it's not gonna happen, folks. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna snip this in the bud where you know they're gonna make sure that it really that it you know there's no chance that this goes past where it's it's already gone. Uh, he'll be forced to sell the team, I believe, in in, in that standpoint, and uh, further investigations come about. And I, I I really I really hope that there is not not that that there's you know. I don't know. I mean, it 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 just seems a shame that uh, you know owners, uh, billionaires, you know, in today's game, you know, they're they're entitled enough to think that they can, you know, uh, you know, slide slide by like uh, you know uh, any Tom, Dick, and Harry, and you know, create their own rules to to get what needs to be done. Uh, that with the, in saying that. I really was shocked that Flores went out on the other stuff, uh, the the Denver, uh, the Giants, uh, you know. Yeah, I think those are going to be a lot harder that's, that's, for, for him to prove, yeah. you know. So getting back to Stephen Ross, I do agree. I mean, I think this goes down to the integrity of the game. You cannot, you in all sports, in basketball, especially basketball, and football, there are teams that tank. I mean, it was tank for Tua, tank for Tua. That's what the slogan was right. coming into Tua Tagovailoa's senior year. I mean, his junior year, his last year in college. That was the word, and that was the year that we're talking about here. But you can put things in place to lose. You know, whether it be going with a completely young team yeah. or trading off people. Right. In basketball, you go to a salary of like the lowest bare minimums and, and and because you want to be able to get more draft capital. So there are things that you can do legally to accomplish those goals. But the minute you start to put a price tag where you're telling a coach, I expect you to lose and I'm going to give you $100,000 to do so, I think you're compromising the integrity of the game. Yes. And from that perspective, there's going to have to be catastrophic consequences for Stephen Ross if that can be proven which to me that should be pretty easy yeah I mean there has to be some kind of documentation that alludes to this whether it be by text by email or something because if if all of this is just he said she said without any corroboration it's not going to go anywhere and Brian, and Brian Flores made a, a really really bad made error so I have to think he has something of substance in this regard now, let's transition to the other teams. I mean, he went after John Elway, right. calling him, you know, that he showed up drunk and it didn't take his interview seriously. And uh, he called out the Giants based on the fact that Bill Belichick had sent a, an erroneous text saying that he was going to get the job. But he meant Brian. it was, yeah, it was Brian Dable that was going to get the job. Right. So, I mean, he, he made that uh, erroneous thing. And 
Flores felt that the only reason he was being interviewed when they already decided on Brian Dable was because of the Rooney Rule. Right. And let's dive into the Rooney Rule a little bit because I do think, named after the Steelers, right. uh, the, the royal family of the Steelers, I think the intent of the rule when it was put into place years ago was absolutely dead on. It was to ensure that there was equal access to opportunities right. and that you could not hire anyone for a head coaching job unless you hired I mean, you interviewed, you accepted through the process somebody from the, that was African-American. So I think the intent was good. But Ernie, is that how it's being perceived today? No, no. I mean, because of all the social uh, injustice that's going on, and I'm going to pretend that it's not going on. It's obvious it's going on. But to a level where, you know, that it's three, it's, it's, it's the Giants, it's Denver. And let's just say this. If I had, if I were an owner, I had my pick, okay, my pick uh, to, let's say, get a, 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 an executive position at where, whatever company I owned, but I was forced to pick, come in with at least five candidates because that is just protocol, I'll do it, okay? But if my pick accepts it, the rest, that's just... You know that that's just, just that's just, that, that's just protocol, and to me, I don't care if that's if he's black, white, yellow, red. That's my pick. It's it has nothing to do with race, you know. And and I don't think I I don't think the I don't think the the Maras are that type of organization. I mean that they are they're an old organization. Uh, you know, they, they, to me, they've done it the right way. I mean, if, if not, and this is a team with a hell of a lot of money. And to me, uh, they, they haven't done more, they haven't done a lot lately, which I think they could have because they have enough money, but they're doing it the honest way. You know, I, I just don't see that from the Maris. Then you're going to John Elway and say that he's drunk showing up for an interview, then he lashes back, like what you've mentioned, that he was on a long plane trip, and there's speculation. I seriously doubt that there was a breathalyzer test, uh, you know, during that interview process. That's where I believe they're going to be uh, breaking down Brian Flores. I think if he just left it with the Miami Dolphins, I think that would have been good enough to bring in these other teams and to, in my opinion, to uh, make the Rooney Rule, uh, and I believe there's something that needs to be done with the Rooney Rule. I just don't think this is the fashion that it had to have been. Uh, it, it, it's, it was done in the wrong way. I don't know if his, his lawyers gave him the advice to, to act in this manner. I believe you should have done what you, uh, if it was true, and you have uh, you know, empirical evidence on, on uh, you know, Ross, on, on his dealings. But the rest, I believe you, you, sh you should have done in the wrong, uh, in another manner. Because if you cannot substantially prove that all these allegations are true, you're gonna be blacklisted. Yeah, and, and, and that's the risk. And, and I think that is the definite risk. But I think, I mean, he came right out and said, he, you know, at this point, I think even as fired, there's, the coaches get guaranteed money. So maybe he believes that he has financial security if need be. And he really wants to make a difference is what his words are. Um, it's going to be an uphill battle. I mean, it's certainly going to be an uphill battle. I think anyone would have been sympathetic. Everyone would have been sympathetic in the Stephen Ross case if that was proven. 
you know, taking shots at the Giants and taking shots at the Broncos on a personal level or suing them personally, I think is going to be problematic because that's going to be difficult to prove. Um, and if you're trying to change the league, that's where the challenge is. You know, so like I said, the, the Rooney rule was well intended and it's still better for them to have access, but it becomes even more of a humiliation. Like he felt humiliated in the Giants case because his perception was they already had Brian Dable selected, but they needed to interview an African-American. So he got the token interview, which they didn't take seriously in his eyes. Uh, and he really didn't have a fair shot. So that was more humiliating to him than being able to say, hey, you know what? I gave it my best. They, that guy was better for them. Um, and, and I think that's how some of these African-American coaches are starting to feel. Like, don't interview me only because you have to. Don't only take a look at me because you have to. Look at me because I'm good. I'm good at my job. I'm good at what I'm doing. And and I don't think anyone can ir- but, argue that Flores had success yeah. with the Dolphins. But that's what the Ro- the Rooney Rule's intent was right. for. Right. To I give need to at least do that. You have to do that because you never know. Mike Tonlin, when he was hired by the Steelers, I guarantee you, going into the week of his hiring, he wasn't even on the top three. He wasn't in the top three mm-hmm. going to... Mike Tomlin was, I've been a lifelong Steelers fan, so I'm very close to this. Tomlin was uh, a defensive coach, one-year success in Minnesota, coming from Tampa Bay. He wasn't really a, a, a person that the media, at least, or, or, or a lot of people are chattering about, yet he got, he impressed. Well, he wowed them. I mean, yeah, and he, he and wowed them in the interview the, process. That's what the rule is for. The Rooney Rule does not say you, uh, what do you call that? You you bring in uh, uh, a person of color into an interview uh, and a certain percentage of those interviews, you got to hire. You got to hire 25%. Right. right. Okay. It's it's just to get your foot in the door. Right. Okay. And that's all the room. To, to do anything otherwise is reverse discrimination. Well, and I think I think that's the hard part right now is I think just generally speaking, I think any owner or any decision maker, oftentimes you, you would hope that everybody is 100% objective and they evaluate everybody completely objecti- objectively no matter what, you know, but I think we know better than that, that at least in the NFL, you have mostly el- like Stephen Ross is eighty years old, and I think most of the owners are from a similar profile. Um, it's going to be very difficult. Mike Tomlin went in there and wowed them because he's great at the mic. We see that every single Sunday. He has so much command. But if you don't have that, if everything is equal, there is some truth to the fact that you're more comfortable hiring your own, you know, and I think there's some comfort to that. So my concern is, I don't know how you change this. You can You know, other than the fact that these owners are going to die off and the younger generations are going to think differently, I'm not sure there's a way or a true mechanism or any policy that can be put in place that is going to say you have to hire this person yeah, you can. just because of their race. You can Um and that's that's where I think this is going to be like a circle where yeah. I'm not sure what the answer is. Yeah. And I think that's what a lot of Stephen A. Smith and that's what a lot of these prominent African-American sports announcers were saying as well. Yeah. We agree that the racials are off. 
a league that has 75% African American players, a league that has, you know, has one African American coach. We we agree that there's probably the correlation there doesn't seem logical that I'm not saying there should be 73% black coaches, but there should be more than one based on the fact that most of the league comes from this. Um, so there's there's an issue there. But how do you resolve that is going to be a really, really hard thing to do um, because you're going to rely on these owners to make those calls. Yeah, to, to find the good in yeah. a Brian Flores or an Eric Bieniemy or a Byron Leftwich or to give Todd Bowles another chance or a Jim Caldwell another chance. Uh, but I think what makes, what fuels people a little bit more is when you take you take somebody like um, like head coach Cully from the Texans this year. Yeah, he did well. Who far exceeded expectation, has a complete dumpster fire situation there, and he still gets fired. Mm -hmm. You know, so I think those are the kind of things that fuels anger, suspicion, um, these kinds of thoughts, because you can't logically defend that. The guy was hired. It was a dumpster fire. He did better than expected with no quarterback, and he still got the boot after one year. Um, and then Arizona, when, when before Clingsbury was hired, they hired a black coach for one season, and then he got fired. Um, and then Clingsbury got hired, but he's never won anywhere before. He was an offensive coordinator at USC, and he was brought in. Um, I think those kinds of things is what fuels this animosity it, it, it does. and fuels this talk where you don't think that there's logical explanations for that. The, and that's where when you cannot logically defend it, that's where it becomes suspicious and then people get yeah, angry. But that, that, to me, that's, that's, that's one eye open because I could, we could go back to the, the Raiders, Basashia. He did the exact same thing with the Raiders. He is not black. He's white. Okay, and they went a different way. I mean, they're, they're, I can, for every example that can happen, there, there's going to be a lot of other examples on top of that. It is a broke system that, for right now, until they find a program thing that can get into these people's minds to really tell you the underlying thoughts of it. I mean, what would you rather have? I mean, if, if, if that text didn't go in, do you, do you, think, do you think that uh, Flores knows that uh, the Giants uh, were doing some uh, practice against, uh, you know. No, he probably doesn't name the Giants, but okay. because of that, that's okay. where it comes and, from. And, and let's ask this question. Were there other candidates prior to that who weren't black that were still awaiting in the interview? Were they black? I know they weren't. They're, uh, you, so, yeah, so that's where he's not going to win that case. Yeah, I don't think he's going to win that case. That's the part. Here's, here's the thing. Everybody is going to find an angle on everything. And I'm going to give you an example. This past Christmas, and everybody knows this, at a shopping center, the most prized possession at a shopping center during the Christmas season is parking. Mm -hmm. Okay? So I see this big truck coming down the street, parking right in front of, uh, parking right in the stall of a handicap. Now, to get out of this truck, this guy has to step on his platform two and a half feet jump from that platform to get onto the street. Okay, how is that fair? How is that fair? The intent for that parking pass was probably there. 
But everybody's gonna find an angle. Whether that he took that from somebody who his actually grandma. really deserved it, mm -hmm. yeah. whether he lied on his application to get, I mean, there's a number of examples. I'm just giving you that particular one. Everybody's gonna find that. Everybody's gonna find an angle. They're gonna manipulate that angle and it's gonna happen one time after another and you change the rule, they're gonna find another way how to do, how, how to get around that angle. I mean, it's just, it's, it's an ever uh, going cycle. I mean, there, there's a number of things in politics right now that we could, uh, and I don't wanna open up a new can of worms on top of this, but we all know there is not a perfect formula over there. If there's a way to exploit it, they're gonna exploit yeah, it. Yeah, and I think that's the problem. I, I don't think you can policy this into fruition. I think this just has to be something that maybe when you're hiring more uh, you know, black GMs, they're going to be more willing or they're going to be more comfortable with their own when right. it's time for them to hire. Right. So maybe that gets corrected. But I think, like I said, I think there are certain or what are perceived to be egregious cases like the Cully thing. And I think the Eric Bieniemy situation for three years now where no one has given him a job. And I think it doesn't hurt that every year the Rams lose all their assistant coaches and they're going to do it again. So I think the joke this week was if Eric Bieniemy wants a head coaching job, that he should take over the offensive coordinator position with the Rams next year, <laughs> replacing O'Donnell, because everybody gets a job. Mm. I mean, LaFleur, Zach Taylor, now O'Donnell, Brandon Staley. Um, but they all have one thing in common. And I think that's what fuels people's mind. Like if Raheem Morris would have gotten the job in Minnesota, because it came down to Graham, Raheem Morris, and O'Donnell, and O'Donnell gets it. Mm -hmm. If Raheem Morris got it, then that wouldn't have been quite as frustrating, I think, for some. But let's be honest, in this particular case, they just came off a defensive coach. So they wanted to go with an offensive coach. That's understandable. Mm -hmm. I think that's understandable. So my concern is, there's no easy answer to this, and it, there is no way you can police this into fruition. You just can't. So you just have to hope that everybody at some point in time will do and, and truly be fair in their evaluation of talent. And, it, and if they're doing that and that's the conclusion that they come up with, that's the conclusion they come up with. Because there's no way you can tell any employer yeah. that you have to hire this person for this reason. Exactly. And that's not how it should be. Exactly. And I don't think that's how anybody wants it to be. No. I think even these African-American coaches, even Brian Flores, he's not asking for privilege. He's asking for equal opportunity and equal access. Yeah. So that's that's going to be a challenge. And, you know, this is now because he's dropped this lawsuit. It's it's top of mind again. Every year during the coaching cycle, this comes up. Last year, though, I think they, there were three African-American coaches that were hired last year. Um, so it wasn't as bad, but they all got fired again. You yeah. know, so, so now we're back to just your Steelers yeah. as the lone team and he'll, uh, with an African-American coach. He'll, he'll, he'll be there until he decides to leave. He'll be there until he decides to yeah. leave. But what I feel bad, and I, I am not a hater on Forrest. I mean, we, we've talked. Yeah, we like, he's a great coach. I, I, I love that guy. He does I, have some issues, I, though. I, I don't want him to be a Kaepernick. Okay, and, and, and folks are you okay, but at least Kaepernick got the thing rolling and everything. Yes, but there's ways to do it without being the martyr. Okay, there's ways to do it. I mean, there, uh, you know, you, you don't have to sacrifice, in, in my opinion, everything, especially something. There's few jobs out there where you could call it a job. You know, and I think coaching is one of them. I mean, I mean, both of us coached. I mean, we did it for the love of it. We didn't get a, we didn't get a penny out of it. I mean, and I believe that's the same thing with Flores. I think he just loves that job. And when you love that job that much, I don't, it's not a job. I mean, it's something you love to do. You do it for, for, for nothing. 
And that's what I feel so sad about that he is actually putting this in jeopardy. Because right now, I think it's going to be, if, if, if really, if, even if I'm indifferent in regards to, to if he's black, white or whatever, I'm thinking, okay, this guy sn snitched on everybody. What's going to prevent him coming into my organization and unleashing the, yeah. the skeletons in my closet? Yeah. So I, I agree with that. I mean, I, he certainly has jeopardized the future of his occupation within the NFL. He's definitely going to make it harder on himself for those reasons. So there's, there's no doubt about that. So, folks, there's no easy answer to this. This would be a great discussion again. You know, go to social media, tell us what you think. There is really no right or wrong answer when it comes to this. I mean, I think there's a right answer. We all want to do the more the moralistic thing and hope for the best. Um, but to police it and to policy it is going to be a challenge. So, whoo, that was a deep discussion. But you know what? People have been discussing that all week. So I, I'm glad we spent the time to kind of really dive into this. So Ernie, let's transition to the NBA. Mm -hmm. All-star teams were announced. We're going to go into that. Um, a little bit, but man, your Celtics are on fire right now. They're on a five-game winning streak. They're destroying everybody. Are you buying your tickets for the NBA Finals yet, Ernie? No. <laughs> I, I, I see this song and dance. They suck you. They suck you in. And, and to tell you the truth, I, I really don't. I'll, I'll believe it when we pass through the Philadelphias, the Phoenixes. You know, even their next upcoming game against the New Jersey Nets. They're going to be without Kyrie. Of course, Durant's out. Harris is out. I mean, that's that's not... Harden is out. Uh, They've not uh, lost eight in a row. Yeah, and, and, and that's that's not going to be a test. So I, I full-on I full expect that one to be a win. And if they do lose that game, then, you know, we're back to the same old spot. But I'm happy that they're they're winning. Uh, ask me again in two, after the All-Star break, and I'll give you a more definitive answer. Well, I mean, I mean, you have to be happy. I mean, uh, granted, like you said, the, the part of their schedule right now has been a, a little weak, but they're destroying teams. They're playing much better. I mean, Tatum and Brown are both playing well at the same time. Um, I think you've got to be happy. But the East is completely up for grabs. I mean, the Nets are plummeting without all of their players, and it remains to be seen what they look like um, when they come back. I think Milwaukee will eventually rise to the top, but now Kyle Lowry has personal issues. He's missed a, a bunch of games in a row for Miami. Um, the East is wide open. So if the Celtics continue to play like this, there is nobody from one to nine or 10 that couldn't realistically get on a run and sneak in here. Yeah. I mean, Embiid is being playing out of his mind, um, but he has never been able to stay healthy for a whole season. So can he close the year the same way that he's playing now? And again, the Bulls are strong, but they haven't really been here. Um, that he, I mean, it, it's really still anybody's game. It is. I mean, it is because even as, as we speak right now, the Boston Celtics are at, in the eighth spot. They're only four and a half games out of first. Yeah, four that's and crazy. A, four and a half games out of first. I mean, folks, two weeks could totally flip-flop this situation. I mean, uh, you even have the Hawks that are playing excellent ball right now. I mean, you're talking about the East. I mean, Hawks won 7 out of 10. Raptors won 7 out of 10. Uh, Boston Celtics won 7 out of 10. I mean, and those are, you're, you're talking about the 6th, 8th, and the 10th seed. So any, anything happen, anything can happen in the East. Yeah, I mean, the Nets are now down to 7. The Cleveland Cavaliers keep winning. They are now just a game out of the top spot in the number three spot, uh, which is incredible. In the West, nothing has changed. I mean, Phoenix continues to roll. They had their 11-game winning streak snapped this week, but 
They've started another one. Golden State's getting it back on track. Yep. They've now won eight, eight. in a row yep. themselves. Um, Memphis has won two in a row. Utah's won two in a row. Dallas is playing much better uh, or had been playing a little bit better recently. They've, they've won a couple in a row. And then Jokic is still doing well. Uh, my Lakers continue to be just the most frustrating team in the world. They did win one last night with LeBron coming back. We're still stuck in the ninth spot. Um, two games under 500, 17 games out uh, of the number one spot in the West. So I think from that perspective, for me, in the West, it still looks like Phoenix and Golden State and everybody else chasing them. Um, this week, they're starting to take a look at Paul George. Is he going to come back for the Clippers? I love the trade that the Clippers made, but it looks like, according to Clippers, Kawhi is not coming yeah, back too, this year, yeah, which does little. not surprise me. He'll always take six months more than the normal person would take to heal. Um, but I like the trade that they made, getting yeah, Covington and Powell yeah. for parts that they really weren't using. Bledsoe really wasn't playing. Um, again, more flexibility in that front court in the event that Paul George doesn't come back and Kawhi is not coming back or Paul George is out for a little bit longer. Clippers find a way. Tyron Lue is a really, really good coach. And the Lakers made a big mistake not taking him a few years back. Mm -hmm. Because the Clippers with nobody continue to beat the Lakers with everybody but LeBron the other night. So that's a problem. Um, but let's get into the All-Star. I mean, we, instead of doing our All-Star predictions, the All-Star teams have already been announced. Did you have any problems that start in the, in the West? Um, contrary to what you normally think. For me... Personally, I only had one person that I had as an all-star that okay. didn't get picked, and I, that wasn't a big deal. Draymond Green made it, and for me, he's a tremendous all-around player. He's not going to play anyway, so he's going to get pulled out. But I actually had Dejounte Murray from Dejounte Murray, Dejounte Murray from the Spurs yes. as an all-star, averaging twenty points, eight and a half uh, rebounds, nine assists. A game. I know San Antonio sucks, so that, that hurt him, but I actually had him there. And then my next just-missed people would be Brandon Ingram, but he's playing on a lesser team. Anthony Edwards, uh, Shea Gilchrist-Alexander. I mean, all good players that just weren't going to make it. Um, so I don't have a problem with Draymond Green. I'm not sure who they'll replace him with. We'll see. Yeah, but your thoughts on the West? I mean, I, I it, it's very it's it's hard to argue because uh, you know when. Uh, you're talking about the Golden State Warriors and the, how well they've been playing. I mean, you, you, you can't just put in Curry. You, 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 I, mean, I mean, they didn't just didn't put in Curry. I mean, they got already two players on top of them. Mm -hmm. now, they, now, they've got, now they've got three. But Draymond Green's been there. I mean, he's getting there. And, and you have to argue, do legacy points count in All-Stars? I think there's a recognition, at least from the players there, and the coaches, there, there, and what he means to that team. Because statistically, 7.9 points, 7.6 assists, 7.2 rebounds. Um, not overwhelming, but I think people recognize what he means to that team. It, it, yeah, and that, that's what it is. I mean, when 50% when of the vote is coming from fans, it's, it's, it's that choice. I mean, so if he got on that with an overwhelming fan vote, and I trust me, I've, I've seen All Star games where, I mean, the old, I mean, Draymond Green is old, but he can still play. I mean, yeah. I've, I've seen some terrible teams where, you know, Larry Bird made it and he only played half the season. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Well, I think in Draymond's case, he's not popular with the fans because he was way down the list from the fan vote. It's the coaches 
and the media well, they, they got they, him in well, here. They, well, they, they, they must know. Yeah. I mean, on top of that, as far as what his intangibles are. But I, 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 I still think that, you know, if that combination of fan vote, I think they did it right, 50% fan uh, with the 25 coach, 25 media is is, is yeah. fair because it, it it's a well that's for the starters and yeah. then the coaches pick and the pick yeah, yeah coaches pick, pick the reserves coaches pick the pick the reserves and I mm -hmm. uh, as far as the reserves concerned I, I I really haven't been following the West that much on the East side uh, I have a I don't have a problem but I I, I don't. I, I think I do have a problem. Okay, well, let, let's just announce the, the West ones, just okay. in case you remind people. So the, the reserves in the West, Luka Doncic, can I argue with that? Rudy Gobert is the center. Chris Paul and Devin Booker from the Suns, can't. can't really argue with that. Donovan Mitchell with his 25 and a half points a game, hard to argue with him. And then Cat uh, from the Timberwolves with his 24 plus points, 10 rebounds and four assists. You really can't argue with, with any of those. So... In the East, let's start with that. I'm curious to see where your problem was. Middleton. I don't think Middleton deserves to be as a, as a starter. Now, again, he got, in, he got in there for whatever. It must have been from all the new Milwaukee Bucks fans when they won the championship. Well, he's not a starter. He was picked as a reserve. Oh, he's a reserve? Yeah, he's a reserve. So the starters were Durant, Giannis, Embiid, DeRozan, and Trey Young. So... Middleton got selected uh, as, as a reason. So let's run through the names. You're Jason Tatum, Zach Levine, James Harden, Chris Middleton, Fred Van Fleet, um, Jimmy Butler, and Darius Garland were the announced Eastern Conference All-Stars. Okay, so, I, I still have a problem with Middleton mm -hmm. on top of that because I was looking at his numbers comparable to Jalen Brown, who I don't even think was close, in my opinion, to becoming an Well, relatively not close to becoming an All-Star. I really, really believe... Uh, you know, uh, Ball should have been on top of there. He could have, he could have easily been on. I thought Bam could have easily been on top of that. To me, he's more important on top of that. I mean, I, Jared Allen from Cleveland. I think he should have uh, probably deserved a spot on top of it. Milton has played four more, three more games than Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown scores five more points. Milton, of course, because he uh, uh, he runs the offense more. Uh, in the Milwaukee's in Milwaukee system, he has three more uh, three more assists than Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown has more uh, rebounds than him. He has more steals than him, and they're equal on the block shots. Uh, if now, like I said before, I don't think Jalen Brown was better than those other people who I mentioned earlier. I don't. I, I have a problem with Middleton being on that team. Well, I actually had Middleton on the team, and, and it's not to say that I disagree with you. What I did think would happen, and what I believe happened, is he's getting the benefit of being a world champion. You know, so the Milwaukee Bucks won the championship last year, and from that, you normally don't only get one person on the all-star team. My thought was, who was better from the Bucks? Is Middleton or Drew, Drew. Holiday yeah. more important? Or have, who has had the better year this year? But Middleton, you know, last year he was clutch for them in so many of these games, leading them to a, to a world championship. He played on the Olympic team. I get why he's on there, but I also get what you're saying in terms of um, did other people have better years? My, so I actually had Sabonis in here, but I wasn't surprised that he didn't make it because they suck. Yeah. Uh, this year, good trade today. Um, I believe with Karis Levert being traded, mm -hmm. you know, I think that's a that's a good trade for the for the Cavaliers. 
But I didn't really think that Darius Garland, he's having a good year. And again, I think it comes down to Cleveland's having such a good year, they need to have somebody represented. I think Jared Allen would have been the better pick. Me too. I think Allen is having more of a impact with the 16 points and the huge rebounds and I the agree. block shots. I agree. You know, so I thought he should make it in there. I too thought LaMelo should make it. I thought LaMelo should have made it ahead of Darius Garland as well. Um, but there are a bunch of people in the East. I think the East was a lot harder because uh, Siakam has had a good year. Mm-hmm. He's averaging over 21 points. You know, Jared Allen we mentioned, Holiday we mentioned, Jalen Brown you mentioned. Um, but even Bradley Beal. I mean, there was a time where the Wizards were playing well. He's still averaging over 23 points, 5 and 6. Um, so he was a starter last year and is not on the team this year. But I kind of get that. So I don't have a huge problem. Um with the Middleton situation, but I understand where you're coming from. But I just thought that Milwaukee was going to get multiple players. In fact, I thought they may get three. I thought Middleton and Holiday might have made it because they won, you know, last year. And that typically is what happened. Yeah, I mean, if that's the case, then I can, I'll, I'll, I'll buy it. But you know what? When you're when you're looking at uh, both of those players, Holiday and Middleton, they're having lesser years statistically than they were, and it shows in their record right now. I mean, they they really haven't been. Um, you know, lighting it up on the on that side. I think the you know the PJ Tucker piece is something that they haven't replaced, and I think that's going to be important as it comes down to uh, you know the latter rounds uh, in, uh, go, heading for that Eastern Conference Finals. But yeah, I mean that's going to be my beef. I mean mm-hmm. I, 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 I just thought you know that uh, you know there are more deserving players. Again, on the east, uh, that were snubs on the east that should have filled in that. Spot. Yeah, there the east to me there is way more competition. I like the fact that Fred Van Fleet made it. Um, yeah, but I'm really surprised they didn't put Lamelo Ball because he is box office, you know. So, and they could have just put him over Darius Garland at this point, you know, and, and they could have just put maybe some of these guys are going to get hurt. So enough har- harboring on, on that. And I think you know what, if the All Star game was announced next week, maybe Jalen Brown would have had a better chance. But when this is happening, the Celtics are struggling. Yeah, and true. I think he was penalized for that. Yeah. Um, but the game is not for another two weeks. So you never know. He may end up on this team anyway. Hopefully that game is significantly better than the atrocious atrocity of a Pro Bowl uh, that happened today. So it's been a long show, but I want to jump into this already because we'd be remiss if we don't talk about the fact that finally, we, we alluded to it last week, but it finally came down early this week when Tom Brady... The GOAT announced his retirement. He made it clear that he was tired of losing to the Rams three times in a row. He had enough and he was going to hang it up. So for my closing thought, I want it to be more of a discussion. I think we've had discussions before about the greatest athletes of all time. I don't want to get into that deep of a discussion. I want to narrow this down to the greatest team sport goats of all time and to me it comes down to two people at least in our generation if you want to take it back to Babe Ruth you know in your younger days you mean that's one thing but I think currently there's Michael Jordan in basketball and there's Tom Brady in football okay Um, I asked you off the air but I want you to start here who do you think is the goat of goats between those two if you're gonna say team it's gonna be Brady for me I mean Michael Jordan is uh, to me, the goat of goats. I mean, because in basketball, uh, you impact the game. Uh, there's only five players, and both of them play two sides of the ball. 
you know, in, in football, there's offense, defense, special team. And on any given case, there's 12 different players. on, So you have less of an impact. So as far as greatest of all time, uh, it's hard to go Brady over Jordan. And I could name a number of other NBA players that I'd probably pick over Brady on top of that. But what Tom Brady's done in this day and age of free agency, when it comes down to team, gotta, I mean, it's, it, it's to me, it, it's, it's not close. I mean, you're talking about a guy who, uh, I think we spoke about this last week, is that he didn't play with, with all the all-time greats. I mean, he, did, he really didn't have that Scotty Pippen. You know, he didn't have that uh, awesome rebounder in Dennis Rodman. He didn't, he didn't have the Zen coach in, in Phil. Uh, well, but he did, he did have he did yeah he, he 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 had Belichick I, I, I take that back <laughs> but he you're talking about a guy who was picked in the sixth round in and I believe Jordan was picked third uh, 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 was the third player picked in the first round uh, he had to you know renegotiate contracts of his own take lesser money uh, to bring in the proper pieces to to you know, complete his team. He saw the overall impact, uh, and he didn't have uh, you know a lot of other players out there wouldn't have done the things that he's done in order to win championships. And 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 most most recently, his last championship when he brought in AB, like I mentioned last week, not many quarterbacks out there would say, "Bring me AB." He could. Even though he's going to be our third receiver, you know, I think I can control him and he'll contribute to the Super Bowl. Not, I, I think Tom Brady would be the only starting quarterback that could probably have done that. That's just the, that's the type of things that he does just to gain that edge. Call it what you may be in regards to Deflategate and all those other things. He does things outside the quarterback position, whatever he can do in order to make his team win. Yeah, so I, I, I would agree. This is, this is my, my thought process here, and you really cannot go wrong. I think what Jordan did with the Chicago Bulls is incredible. But I think historically speaking, and I, I know we have to go back a little bit, um, there were teams like your Celtics way back in the 50s and 60s where Bill Russell won 11 championships. And, you know, so they, there, there is precedence to his, Jordan's success. Now, if Jordan didn't retire between the first three and the second three, maybe he wins eight in a row. Maybe this is a slightly different discussion, um, but he did it. He did retire, so he didn't win eight in a row. Now, you're absolutely right. In basketball, your physical abilities can control outcomes a little bit easier than in football. Not a little bit, a lot, a lot. of it. Yeah, because he was a dominant offensive player and a dominant defensive player. So that would almost be like Brady playing two sides of the ball, which yeah. is not really realistic. But Brady's team success, he has no control over what's happening on special teams and on defense. Right. Yet he had to find a way to get things done. And there has been no one that has ever been to 10 Super Bowls. There has been no team that has ever won seven Super Bowls like Tom Brady has. So you're talking about a player that individually has more championships than any other team has won in NFL history. So from that perspective, it's hard to not think that Tom Brady is the greatest of all time in terms of team sports. Mm -hmm. You're right, the 199th player drafted, 
and he became, at age 44, still statistically the best quarterback in the NFL. Did it for 22 years. Jordan did it for 12, 13 years. And then he goes to Tampa Bay and leads them to a championship when uh, Jordan, goes to, Jordan goes to the Wizards. I mean, he looked, he looked, like, he looked like the Wizards of now, or he looked like my Lakers uh, of right now, um, like Russell, West, Russell Westbrook. You know, so I would have to agree. For those of you that think it's Michael Jordan, I get it. But I think when you take into account that Tom Brady has done things that no one else in history has done in the sport that he plays, I go with you. I agree with you. I think Tom Brady is the goat of goats when it comes to team sports. Yeah, I mean, slightly different reasons why we're picking why why we're why we're picking uh, Tom Brady, and and we could probably break this down to even more reasons. I mean, Michael Jordan is is, is this is not a knock on on Michael Jordan again. As far as greatest athlete, he is he is uh, my number one. Sorry, I know you love LeBron and everything like like that. I think LeBron was. Uh, a little bit more manufactured than what Jordan had to deal oh, with. I, have, I, would, I would agree. You I know? mean, I think Jordan is the number one yeah, athlete. But, but, but Tom Brady, I, don't, I mean, we're, we're, we're going to be talking about Tom Brady. Well, my grandchildren will be talking about Tom Brady and all the compliments. And every Tom. quarterback from now yeah. until Tim Buck 2 is going to be compared to him. And that's going to be unfair. Yeah. I mean, Mahomes is already being compared. When Mahomes won his first, they're like, ah, he's going to get to six or seven. No, he's not. Yeah. You know, he'll be lucky to get to two. Yeah. Look at Aaron Rodgers. As great as Aaron Rodgers is supposed to be, he's never been back to a Super Bowl. Russell Wilson. And Russell Wilson has never been back. That leads to Tom Brady's greatness. Yeah. Because when Tom Brady left the, the Patriots, they went down. They rebounded a little bit this year. When Jordan left the first time, they still went to the Eastern Conference Finals. They didn't win the championship but they still got to the Eastern Conference Finals because that team was strong. Uh, I agree. I think Tom Brady is the greatest team athlete of all time. But, gang, what a packed show this was. It was – I really had fun today. I mean, we, we talked about a lot about the Rams, which, of course, is always going to be fun for me. We have our Super Bowl predictions. Ernie says 28 to 27 Rams. I go 31-24 Rams. Again, the spread is four points. I believe the Rams cover the spread with my last pick of the year. Ernie takes the Bengals to cover the spread on his last pick of the year. And then we talked a lot about the Brian Flores situation. This is not going to be resolved in a week or so. No. But I thought it was healthy discussion. And I think it's important discussion. for, for The only way you come to resolution and progress is to be able to sit down and have a conversation, to be able to discuss things and, and understand both perspectives, find common ground and move forward. And I think uh, we spent 20 minutes talking about that. I thought that was a great discussion. And then we talked a little about your red, your Celtics red hot five game winning streak uh, and then the all-star teams. Ernie says Jalen Brown should have been there. Chris Middleton should not. Um, I don't really have big problems, but I do agree that there could have been a couple of picks that, that'll be a little bit better. But man, today's Pro Bowl was brutal. I just hope the NBA All-Star Game is a lot better than that. It'll be. It, it will be. Anything else you want to talk about, Ernie? No, I just I just hope next week's show doesn't come doesn't start off with tears. You know, I'm, I'm really worried about that. <laughs> I am too. I am too. But you know what? As a Los Angeles Ram fan, I am going to be praying really hard all week long that Los Angeles Rams win their first championship as the Los Angeles Rams. I, I believe this is their year. 
Aaron Donald needs to get one. I believe Matthew Stafford does enough, and my Rams will prevail 31-24. If not, we'll be back in two to three weeks after a couple of weeks hiatus to recover from that. But gang, again, go to social media. There's so much that we need your input and discussion about. Sports Rivals Podcast on IG and Facebook. Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter. For those of you that follow us now and make comments, we appreciate that very much. And again, until next week, and Super Bowl Sunday, the sports rivals are out. Thank you for joining us on the Sports Rivals Podcast. Check us out on social media at Sports Rivals Podcasts on Instagram and at Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter, where you can share topics you'd like to hear. 